All right, there we go. Yes, there we go. We are officially recording. So in, in back in our study of, of First Timothy, uh, Tim, if you could, uh, you know, we, we, we've, we've focused on the guide to spiritual maturity. Today, we're going to see some tactics that are very practical in your life. I appreciated that Sam hit on at least a couple of these things today in, in service. And I uh, really appreciate when the Lord does that, when he overlaps messages. This one's going to be, I think, right down the middle of the plate. There's no curveballs to this one. And it's, it's pretty straightforward. If you go to the, to the text that we're looking at in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, But thou, O man of God, flee these things, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I mean, that's really cool. And, you know, that, that God even alliterated the message for me today. You know, I'm not one that generally does alliterations, right? All P's, all R's, all S's, all F's, all T's, right? But this, this week, God did it. I, this is super easy. I didn't have to use a thesaurus to try to squeeze one word into. I really don't like that when pastors do that. They have to, like, make up a word to try to alliterate it. It's just flee, follow, and fight. I mean, today, this is, like, just right down the middle of the plate because it's flee, follow, and fight. So we're going to look at each of these three things, when it's time and how to flee, uh, the, the, the ways to follow, and how to fight the good fight, right? It, it, is, it is very, very practical. So our first, our first section today is on flee. So there's some things that we're supposed to flee. Notice in the passage, he says, but thou, O man of God. So the person who wants to grow in their spiritual walk, the one who wants to develop, the one that wants to mature, and not just men, he's, refer he's writing to Timothy, but we can apply this. I'm not Timothy. I'm going to apply it to me. You're not Timothy. You can apply it to you no matter your gender, right? But thou, O man of God, O person of God, the, the believer who's trying to follow the Lord, flee these things. Well, what things does he want us to flee? Well, it's that which is earlier in the passage, earlier in the chapter, in verse 4. He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words. You need to flee those things. Whereof cometh envy, strife, railing, even evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of truth, supposing that gain is godliness. You want a list of things to flee? Flee those things. If you find yourself doting about questions and strifes of words, probably not the place you ought to be. Right? Flee those things. Even down in verses 9 and 10, temptation and snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. They've erred from the faith, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You want to flee some things? Flee erring from the faith. And I know that that's a little bit of a tongue twister, but don't flee the faith. Flee from the things that would cause you to err from the faith. Right? The temptation and the snare. I mean, we, we often think of temptations and snares as kind of hidden, not in the spiritual battle. They're right there. They're yeah. right in front of you. It's a decision, not whether you're wise enough to see it coming. Flee these things. That's what he's, Paul was just telling Timothy. Flee the things that would otherwise ensnare you, that would otherwise do you damage. Just flee them. 
What else are we supposed to flee? Well, we're supposed to flee fornication in 1 Corinthians 6. We're supposed to flee idolatry in 1 Corinthians 10. And we're also supposed to flee youthful loss in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now, it seems pretty straightforward. Like, we're supposed to get away from the things that would do us harm. There is a little bit of a trend here, and I don't know if you see it, but there is a lust or a sexual kind of connotation here in, in some of these things. But notice that all of them have to do with self. Okay, All of them have to do with the way you encounter other things. Right, So the, the doting and questions and strifes of words are you wrestling with maybe a men, uh, the, 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 the mental aspect of your faith, right? Faith, the like, discern, like trying to work through things, right? The, the envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, those are internal struggles, right? You continue down, even when you look at the foolish and hurtful lusts, uh, which drown men in destruction and perdition, those are internal things. So the reality here is, you're not necessarily, I mean, there might be times where you have to pull a Joseph and you have to drop your coat and you have to get out of the room because of the temptation. But most of the time, that's not the actual kind of occurrence, okay? So I think I've referenced it before, but it's the Mr. Miyagi school of self-defense. The best defense for a punch is no be there, right? <laughs> you remember that? You remember that when... Daniel is is gonna engage right, and and he he's like we'll we'll set up the the uh, the fight to be in a few weeks or a month. I don't remember how long it was, right? And he's like because the best defense for a punch is don't no be there. The best defense for these this spiritual battle is is don't go there. Don't go there mentally. Don't don't and of course don't go there physically. But the the issue is not generally what's in immediately in front of you when it comes to fornication, when it comes to idolatry, when it comes to lust. Generally, that's a battle that's occurred in the mind that has been lost before it ever manifests itself physically. Okay? So flee these things is an exercise in the mind. Now, it's a spiritual battle, but it's an exercise of the mind. And it's bringing that mind into captivity, bringing your body under subjection of the Christ. Now, not for a minute am I saying through you know meditation and through just or mental uh, assimilation or whatever is the spiritual battle won. That's not my point. But my point is by the time it becomes a physical act, by the time it becomes a physical temptation, you may in fact have already lost the battle. Right. Not always, but a lot of times. The battle is, has been lost in your spirit, in your mind. So there's some things that hinder us from fleeing, okay? And you're going to see this as real. I, I think this is pretty interesting. There's some things that hinder us from fleeing. Tarrying, okay? So I don't know about you, but, well, it happened yesterday. I, I, I got a spider on me when I was mowing, Okay. <laughs> Did you freak out? I normally, I normally do. I normally freak out. A, a couple years ago, I was mowing and ran into a spider web, and it got on my face, and 
not just the web, the spider. And it would have made a good TikTok video, I'm sure. <laughs> like, it would have been funny to watch Mitch dance a jig running across the, the screen. Just think Chris Farley, bees, bees, everywhere, bees, right? Uh, if, you, if you remember, that, was that Tommy, Tommy, no, Tommy Boy? Tommy Boy, right? It, it, it kind of felt like that. I'm sure it looked like that uh, if somebody was driving by and watched me mowing, and I'm like, right? So get the spider out. So, so, but yesterday I was real proud of myself because I evidently got a spider on me, and Decker, Decker's like, you, you got a spider on you? And I was like, where? And he just grabbed it, and he, I was like, all right. But you know what I don't do with spiders? I don't do with snakes. I don't know that I've ever in, in, in encountered a scorpion, but they're probably in that same classification. I don't have a discussion with them. I'm not like, bro, stay in your lane. Like, I'm not, like, I jump back. I don't, like, I'll get the blowtorch because this house is going down, right? But, but my point is, I don't tarry with that. Now, what I usually do with that is I give myself enough space and then evaluate what is the actual best way to kill this with the least amount of collateral damage. That's generally what I do. But I disengage from the moment, right? I disengage from the immediacy of the danger. One thing that we cannot do in the spiritual battle is tarry, right? And tarrying, it starts to allow you to rationalize. Well, this spider's not too bad. It's kind of cute if you look. No, no, no spider is cute. If they take those close-up pictures of them, they have wee beady eyes. They will, given enough time, they will eat you. You don't tarry. Look at 2 Kings 9. Take a box of oil and pour it on his head and say, Thus saith the Lord, I have anointed thee king over Israel. But then open the door and flee and tarry not. Like once you're done with your stuff, don't wait. Go. Now, this is, this is a little bit of a different context than, than a spiritual battle of, of you know, a, a, a temptation. But the principle still remains. Once you've accomplished your goal, in this case, once he's accomplished the mission of anointing him as king, leave. Leave. I mean, when David is, right, is, is facing Saul and Saul's throwing javelins at him, right, like he gets out. He gets out of the way. So tarrying can be a bad thing. You can start to rationalize. You can start to justify. Don't go there. Don't rationalize it. Literally, Eve, and I'm not mad at her any more than any of us are mad at her, but it would have been nice if she would have just left and not engaged and not tarried. You'll lose the argument if you tarry. You'll lose the argument. Don't. Just leave. Things can cause us to hinder from fleeing. So you say, well, wait, wait a minute. Just a few minutes ago, Mitch, you said this is kind of a mental, spiritual exercise. Now things are, are going to cause us. Well, but, but hear me out. And this is actually part of what Sam was talking about this morning when he said that the Jews will have to flee. In Matthew 24 and 16 through 18, then let them uh, which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Like, 
you may have your bug out bag prepared for the apocalypse, but if you don't have it on you, don't go back for it. Things will cause you to be weighted down in flight when you flee. Okay, that's a physical, right? That's this physical picture of the Jews when the abomination of desolations happens, when the Antichrist comes to fruition, they need to go, and they need to go now. Like, don't even go back and get a change of clothes, right? Spiritually, we can allow things to get in our way, right? I remember as a young believer, as a young believer having a very vivid dream of the rapture. Matter of fact, when I woke up, I was shaking. It was so vivid. And I remembered as the rapture was happening in my dream, it's, it was like not actual occurrence, right? Because we're still here. But I remembered thinking, but I need my, and, and I don't remember what it was. Like I, it was a thing. It might have been something as spiritual as a Bible. Or it might have been something as wonky in a dream as my clothes, right? Because probably I was not fully clothed like dreams you know you know you go to school and your underwear kind of thing right whatever right but i remember thinking I, but i need but i need this but i but yeah. you don't yeah you don't when you're fleeing a spiritual battle that you can't the the and, and hear me we're going to win this spiritual battle we're going to get to the point in this lesson even where we fight and we're going to see who wins but but when you flee in the moment and there's times to do so don't tarry and don't worry about the stuff. Just don't worry about the stuff. I'm glad, look, Joseph's coat was used against him, right? As testimony, if you will. But he also didn't waste time to take the coat with him. He just fled. Now, circumstances can also come into play. They can hinder us. And, and so, so literally, it's the next verse. I broke it up here. So it's Matthew 24, verse 19, right? So it's continuing the context. Woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck or that are nursing in those days. Pray ye that your flight be not in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. The circumstances that you have of having a child, women or, or even the, the father of the, of the family, right? That's going to be harder than not having a kid. It's not a reason not to have a kid but especially for, for the Jews here. But he's like, woe unto them that now have to tend for a child in the midst of this and pray that your flight be not in winter when it's cold or, or on the Sabbath day when there's, when there's um, limitations, self-imposed in many cases, limitations on what you can do, right? So the circumstances can become justification for lack of fleeing, right? Well, but... You know, I've got, I just bought some cattle and they need to go take care of them. Or I just, I just bought some land or I just got married, right? The, the, the excuses given to Jesus, why they can't follow him. Same concept can be applied with fleeing. We can allow the circumstances in our life to get in the way and to create a rationalization. But I, but I need to, I need to witness to this person. Well, but this person's trying to get you to do a wrong thing. Fill in the blank. Doesn't matter what it is. This person is actually pulling you the wrong direction away from the Lord. But 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 I just want to be friends with them. Well, but maybe you can still be friends and still separate yourself. Right? There are times to to free, to flee rather. And then desires. I mean, 
everybody knows the story of, of, uh, of Lot's wife, right? In Genesis 19 and, and 20 and 26. Behold, now, you know, he's, he's begging, you know, to, to be able to go to another. This city is near, unto, uh, is, is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one, and my soul shall live? And then, but, but notice in verse six or 26, but his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt, right? So because the desire, the heart was still there, she was worried about what was happening in the city. She wanted to know what was going on. The desire for that situation caused her to limit her focus on fleeing. So you're you're going to be faced with decisions in I mean there are times there have been times where I've been on business trip I don't even know if I shared this with my with my wife it was a very long time ago a very long time ago and I was with two guys and the decision was was that after dinner we were going to a topless bar that was the decision I sat in the car sat in the car for I don't even remember how long this was before phones, you know, before internet, before, you know, I just sat there. I mean, we, we were out for dinner. I didn't have anything with me. I just sat there. And it seemed like forever until they came back. I mean, it was before Uber. I don't, I maybe could have tried to, I, I remembered thinking about a cab, but I think I would have had to have gone in to call, I mean, literally, this is before cell phones. Um, it was that long ago. And I just remembered this was going to be the line in the sand. Like, I wasn't going to go in. I mean, that was just not an option. I wasn't going to go in. You know what I had to do from that point on? Think about when I went to dinner and who I went to dinner with. Like, even on the business trips, I needed to be careful. I needed to have an alternate plan. And I'm not trying to be, like, super weirdo about that. But I needed to be prepared. Like, are we going to, right? you know, like, are we going to be in, I mean, they ended up, I mean, these guys... They weren't, like, taking me out in the middle of nowhere and leaving me for dead. But it kind of felt like that because yeah. most of those places aren't necessary. Well, I shouldn't say most of those places. Like, I know. Like, well, most of those places. No, I mean, it seems like a lot of those places are out in the, like, in the, like, there's, it's not like I could get out and walk to the mall next door or go to the library and read a book. Are you tracking me? Okay. Right? I mean. Why would they drop you off, though? I mean, you know. Well, they wanted to get me to go. That was their goal. I had to separate myself. I don't know that I've ever been on another trip with those two guys. Absolutely. Right? I mean, uh, you know. No, you're good. Amen. You know? Uh, right? So I had to make some decisions. I couldn't tarry. Now, in that case, I had to stay there. I was kind of stuck. I mean, th- today I would have been, like, on an Uber or left, and yeah. I would have been gone in a heartbeat, right? That would have been, like, much easier, actually, today than it was then. But I wasn't going to certainly allow any sort of desire, you know, uh, interest, uh, what, how, you know, whatever you want to, umbrella you want to put it under, uh, curiosity, pull me into that situation. Like, there was a line in the sand. There was just a line. So things can hinder us from fleeing, right? Whether we stay and we kind of dabble in it the things in the situation, the circumstances are our desires. But so it brings us to our discipleship decision, Tim, if you'll advance. Will you flee what you need to, right? So this is, this is hard because sometimes fleeing looks like relationships that you like or circumstances that you 
otherwise kind of enjoy. Maybe a job. Maybe it's a, a some sort of, of, of gathering of, of people in your neighborhood or, 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 or people that, that you arguably want to see come to Christ. Yeah, but if they're going to pull you down into the mire, you're just going to be muddy like a pig. And so just be, just be very careful that just because you, if you have to separate yourself from someone, God is still, God wants them saved more than you could ever want them saved, right? So he's going to continue to use his Holy Spirit. And when it's time for that conversation to be had, the Lord will provide the person or he'll provide the context for you to have it. Like you don't need to stand on the edge of the cliff with one foot hanging over and say, but I'm trying to reach my friend. Like, I hope, you, I hope you're tracking me. I'm not saying we don't pursue the lost. But, so there's times to flee. There's also times to follow. And the best way to flee is to actually follow. Okay? It's so kind of interesting in 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now, this is interesting. You're following together with others who are following. So the best way to flee these bad situations is to be with a group of people who are also fleeing those same things. They're following the Lord together. Now, that can't happen 24-7. I get that. Like, we all can't be here in this room. Uh, some, some of us got a cheese game to watch later. Like, we all can't be together just relying on each other. There is going to look like some level of independence when we go to our homes, we go to the places we're staying, we're, when we leave here, we have to have the tools necessary in order to follow, right? And so follow, and much like fleeing, fleeing is, a, is, a, is, a, is, is never passive, but following is much more than fleeing. Fleeing can take, I can take a step back from the spider and I can have fl fled the situation, but following is much more purposed. And what, what are we going to follow? Well, notice. Righteousness, God, um, oh, I'm sorry, this is a, but in the, in the first Timothy chapter six, the things that we're supposed to follow are righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Those are the things that are listed in our, in our passage, right? In, in verse uh, 11, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Right? So these are outward manifestations of your walk. Tim, if you go to the next slide, it's very interesting because this is quite a contrast. When you look at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, right, we see love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. The ones that are bolded and italicized are also on the what I have labeled, just mine labeled, the fruit of, of the walk, the things to follow. Okay? Now, these are righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. So faith, love, and meekness are in both lists. Okay? Are you tracking me that at least some of these, well, on the fruit of the Spirit, the concepts are, I should probably do it this way, the fruit of the Spirit, the concepts are generally internal with outward manifestations, generally. Now, I've heard them broken up to the outward, upward, inward, those sorts of things, and I, I'm not disagreeing, but these are all manifestations of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, right? But these are the manifestations of the walk. Righteousness, godliness, those are things that we can me almost measure, we can evaluate in someone. 
right? The way they, uh, the faith they have, the love they have, the patience that they're showing. Patience is interesting. Patience is an ongoing result of long-suffering and temperance, generally, okay? Certainly long-suffering. So these are more of the fruit of the walk, the outward manifestation. And this is important because if you notice in our text, in verse 12, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and professed a good profession before many witnesses. So the context that Paul is talking to Timothy about here is the things you're doing is going to is going to be visible in your testimony. It's the outward manifestation, what others will see. I can't always, I can't see peace in your life. I mean, I kind of can see peace in your life, but that's peace is, is, I mean, if I walk up to somebody and they're weeping, do they have peace in their life? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. They could be at perfect peace at what the Lord's doing, but I, I can't tell. I mean, Maybe if I spend enough time with them and they communicate it, I might be able to get a sense of peace. But that's a very <clears throat> internal concept, right? Yeah. But these things I can, I can absolutely see. These are outward manifestations. So what hinders us from following then? Well, we have a choice, some hardness, or a lack of faith. So there's three, three passages here, all from the Gospels, which are, are really interesting because Jesus, what's he want us to do? He wants us to follow him. And there's plenty of occurrences where people are not willing to follow the Lord, right? In Matthew chapter 19, 20 and 21, Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell uh, that thou hast and give, uh, give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So he had a choice to follow Jesus laid it out because Jesus wanted to be Lord of his life, not just someone to follow. So he, was, he, he put, and Jesus is really good at this. And this is one of the things I'm really excited about, about the, the questions of Jesus that we're going to be going into our next study. Because he is so good, surprise, he's God, he's so good at cutting to the chase of the issue. For this guy, it was his possessions. And he was so good. Does everybody have to sell everything they have and give it to the poor? No, like that's not that's not a requirement. But for this guy, he was cut into the problem in his life. And guess what? We all have a thing, right? Mm -hmm. So we all have this choice on if we're going to follow the Lord, we might have to give it up. We might have to give up this thing. And honestly, the thing can change over time as you mature. There's times when I, I know you're, I don't want you to think less of me. I really don't. But there was a time when I struggled giving up Saturday college football to serve the Lord. There was a time in my life where it was like, I just want this time myself, Lord. <laughs> Which sounds really trite, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds really, really trite. Because college football, like, does anybody know who won the national championship in 1997? Yeah, I, huh? Yeah, yeah. Really? Okay. How about, did they, was it 97? As soon as I said it, I thought Nebraska back in that day, and you would know. How about 2002? I mean, we're talking the national championship, people. This matters. 2008, anybody know? Do you really know? Okay, we're going to have to talk later. Okay, who won, who won the Super Bowl that year in 2008? 
Well, at least it's taken you a second. So my point is, these things don't matter today, right? Now, they do to probably to people that were like, I was on that team. It mattered to me. Or I bought a jersey of a player. Or I was, like, in the game. Okay, fine. The point still holds, even if you are from Nebraska. And, and back, when, back when Nebraska was good, you all know what the N stands for on Nebraska's helmet, don't you? Knowledge. Um, <laughs> so I was thinking about that last night when I watched him lose. Um, <laughs> But we all have a choice, and I at that point that's and that seems like again it seems like a really stupid choice. But that's where I was at the time, and there's times even today, and I mean over the last we'll just say few months, where I'm like I'm not going there, Lord. Well, guess what? He's like, are you or are you not? Are you? Are you going to follow me? And I am willing to bet every one of us, and maybe it's not college football or the. NFL or a stupid sport even it's a relationship it's a job it's a career it's a whatever you may have a choice where the Lord calls you and says are you willing to give that up to follow me and and it's hard decision I've watched so many people be like no I'm not there and it's part because it's hard which is the hardness some things that hinder us from following a hardness Notice, and I, I would ask you to turn to John 6 on this one. I know the, the verses are there in front of you, but this is, this is always a, this is maybe one of the more troubling passages in Scripture for me. And I don't mean mental, like, I, I understand it. That's not the problem. Um, so notice in verse, uh, let's just pick it up in verse 54. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him at the last day for my flesh is meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed and he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and i in him um and jump down in in verse 59 these things said he jesus in the synagogue as he taught in capernaum in verse uh, 60 which is on the screen many therefore of his disciples these are people who are following this is not the crowd this is not the multitude they're labeled as disciples Arguably, these people went through COD. Arguably, these people finished D1. Maybe they're in Foundations or D2. These are disciples, followers of Christ. Therefore, many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? We're supposed to eat your body and drink your blood? Like, what? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who uh, they were that believed him and who should betray him. And he said, therefore, uh, and he said, therefore, said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given uh, unto him from uh, unto him from of my father. And look in verse sixty-six. From that time, many of his disciples went ba- back and walked no more with him. They heard a hard saying, and they chose not to follow him through the hard saying. Lord, teach me, help me understand, help me to get where you want me to be. They said, nope, 
I'm not willing to go there. I can't get there. That's too hard, and I'm turning around. And there, look, I only say this because I've been 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 saved for kind of a long time because I'm old. There's been a lot of hard things that I've come across that I wasn't ready for. I just, I couldn't, I could not wrap my brain around what God was saying. But it doesn't give me the right or the chicken exit to stop following him. That is by definition follow worship. Is to say, I'm not there, Lord. I don't know. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I need you to explain it. That's how a follower follows or one of the ways. It's interesting because when he continues in verse 67, Again, not on our screen. Uh, says, "Will ye?" Uh, or then said Jesus unto the twelve, "Will ye also go away?" And Simon Peter answered him, "Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Even if I don't understand them, I'm trusting that you're speaking eternal words. Eternal, you have eternal life in those words, and I'm trusting you. Help me understand. Help me understand." Or just a lack of faith. We notice in, in Peter's situation in Mark chapter four, uh, 14 as, as the, the events of the Passion Week are, are culminating in, in uh, a trial and, and that like and, and you know, the, the apprehension of uh, arresting of Jesus. And Peter followed him afar off. He didn't follow close. He followed afar off even in the place of the high priest or palace of the high priest. And he sat with um, the servants and warmed himself at the fire. A lack of faith can make us not follow. I mean, John followed him. John had faith at least to follow him to that point. So this, our, our second discipleship decision, will you follow the way that you need to? Not afar off, not turning back, not always understanding, but trusting, hey, I'm not on board with that doctrine yet. I don't know if I should even record this, but there are some things that I still question doctrinally. Like, really? But you know what? I will give myself to that position and trust that the Lord will teach it to me in time. It's called faith. And I, I, I still struggle with stuff. I still struggle with with kids, you know, I still struggle with the people in the middle of nowhere, filling the continent, filling the, like not hearing the gospel, the light of Jesus, like shining in their hearts and that every man is without excuse. I cannot wrap my brain around that. I just can't, but I trust it. I trust it. So how do we fight as we move into our next, uh, our last section? Well, we fight according to scripture. Notice that 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18, which we've reviewed several, at this point, several months ago. This charge I commit unto thee, my son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went, on, uh, which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. So how do you fight? How do you, I mean, literally, Paul is writing at the end of 1 Timothy about, you know, fighting. It's only reasonable to to contrast it to the beginning of the book where he says might war a good warfare well how do you do that by the prophecies which went on before thee and these are not nostradamus this is not you know horoscope prophecies this is scriptural doctrinal things that were recorded before well and then the other is the second is because of the lord 
right? In Zechariah 10, uh, verse 5, And they shall be as mighty men, which tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets in the battle. And they shall fight because the Lord is with them. Like literally, I, 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 I seriously thought about just camping on this one, just putting this up, because of the Lord. Like he is worthy to fight for, yeah. right? That's the only reason you really need to know how to fight or, or, or to fight. It's because of the Lord. But we're going to, I mean, I, I needed to get my money's worth so for the whole, because I, I have this room rented until noon. So, <laughs> so I thought you're going to get more. So according to scripture, because of the Lord, but we also need to fight in a disciplined or organized manner. Now, I really wish I had more time to go into Joel chapter 2. But Joel, if you want to know, at least my opinion on, and I think I'm correct based on the doctrinal layout, if you want to know what it's going to be like to fight in the Lord's army when he comes back with his saints, Joel chapter 2. Wow! Joel chapter 2 is awesome. It, and, and, and literally, Sam talked about this this morning, like every good you know, DC or Marvel movie comes out of Genesis chapter 6. Some of them come out of Joel chapter 2 because they shall run like mighty men. They shall climb the wall yeah. like men of war. Yeah. They shall march uh, everyone on his ways and they shall not break their ranks. Very disciplined. The army of the Lord is very disciplined. Neither shall one thrust another. I don't know if you've ever watched a, a good movie of fighting back in those days, but uniforms weren't really a thing. So you had to be careful that you didn't kill your 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 brother, right? I mean, not maybe your brother. You might recognize your brother, but you're wearing armor and like. But I mean that you might kill a, a fellow soldier, right? I mean, you know, friendly fire concept. Neither shall one thrust another. The army of the Lord, when we fight, like I hope I'm I'm standing next to you guys. It's going to be awesome. But I'm not going to stab you with my sword because I'm going to recognize you. There's going to be a huge contrast between us and them. And they shall walk everyone on his path. And when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. Like, it's going to be cool. Because we're going to be destroying, righteously destroying, but we can't be hurt. And there's other passages, other stuff here in Joel where, like, you can climb up there, jump on the rooftops and stuff. And, like, like literally we get to be, like, Spider-Man and Superman and fill every other man and woman and, yeah, superhero in there. We're, but it's disciplined. It's disciplined. We're going to be in our ranks. We're going to fight according to the rules that the Lord has created. Okay? And we're going to have an eye to the certainty, uh, to the certainty of eternity. In 1 Corinthians 9, 25 and 26, every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Kind of that disciplined approach. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, Literally like the, 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 the leaves of the Olympics when they used to do that. But we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, very, very certainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. There's a very real purpose in Paul's fighting. And we also see it's not a physical war. The next, uh, the next slide, Tim, is not a, a physical war. Right? We've seen in uh, many times, you've, you've probably seen this passage, 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though uh, we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Right, And here's how we flee. 
here's how we follow, and here's how we fight, all in one verse, casting down imaginations and everything that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. If you want one verse or passage to hold on to on how to flee, how to follow, and how to fight, it's, it's casting down the imaginations that you have in your mind and everything that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing those thoughts and everything in your life under the captivity of Christ. Literally, Lord, what do you say about this? You're the keeper of me. What do you say about my job? What do you say about where I live? What do you say about the car I'm going to purchase? What do you say about, you know, where the kid goes to college? I'm filling the blank. Like, it is your decision, Lord. I'm going to bring it all. Make sure you're good with all of our decisions. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. We're not fighting a physical battle. And last but certainly not least, there is a process or a course. In 2 Timothy, Paul addresses it in his second letter. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Those three things are actually one. The fight and finish and keeping the faith, another three F, uh, if, we ever get, uh, if we ever do 2 Timothy, the same thing. They're the same concepts. Okay. So this brings us to our last discipleship decision of the day. Will you fight the right war? This is not about who has control of the House and Senate. This is not about who has, who's sitting in the White House, even though it feels like it. I was having this conversation with someone. I realize that a lot of the events that are going on right now, I do think are preparing society for the Antichrist. I would call it grooming. The society is being groomed to buy into the lies. But you know what? That is like a steam locomotive, and I am like a fly. I'm not stopping that thing. I can be as mad as I want to be about masks and how they de-identify the person, and that's how they control prisoners. And you know what? Bring it on. Like, it's the, it's, if this is the stuff, if this is the system that brings the Antichrist to, to, to power, heaven forbid I would actually say this, Lord, bring it on, please, because... That means we're going to heaven. Right. right. Exactly. So don't push it. Literally, you can you can fly your little fly and try to hold back that, that freight train, but it ain't stopping it. And I can be as frustrated as I want that they're shutting down Ray's Cafe in Blue Springs, but the reality is it's that's not our war. Right. Fight the right war. Right. It's a spiritual battle. So our last verse of the day and I'll just leave it with it. Jesus talks about the, the parable of the sheep and the shepherd, right? And he says, it's really interesting. He goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And the stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. I didn't really know what to bold there, because the good shepherd fights the fight. Yes, sir. Right? The sheep don't fight the fight. Have you ever seen, uh, and I've seen, we lived in Montana, and we have, I have personally seen images of, and, 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 and I guess to some degree from distance, that which happens to sheep when a coyote attacks them. It's not pretty. The sheep do not fight well. They're not, they're not made to fight. 
the shepherd will fight the battle for you. The sheep will flee, and the sheep will follow, but the shepherd will fight. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the time today. We ask, Lord, that uh, you just use these things.